and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with our Game Week 24 preview. And as always, there is plenty to talk about. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the title race to my egg and spoon race. It's Andy Case. All, all rhymes, all rhymes today. Um, Andy, I mean, obviously we're going to have to get into, the, get into the big the big matter shortly of our trip to Cleethorpe. But first, good game last night on the telly. And uh, we have... We have a title race, I believe, in Spain. They, uh, they, they, uh, the literal translation for when there's an actual title race is we have league. So we have league. Uh, maybe. I mean, it depends who you think's in it. I think there's only Arsenal or City that can win it, and I think they were kind of already in a title race. So not much I guess changed felt, from that point of view. I guess, I guess it felt like had a few weeks ago when Arsenal first became the bookies' favourites. We're all looking ahead to this game and expecting, I guess, them all to win, you know, every each match up until then. And then if Arsenal had won tonight or last night, rather, it would have been like an eight point gap. And then maybe you can start to think, oh, it's over or whatever. But I guess they've, 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 Arsenal have faltered. It's been a classic Arsenal February collapse thus far. And, uh, and obviously City taking the spoils last night. I think they're what ahead now, but have a get, have played a game more. Is that? True. Yeah, and they're only ahead on goal difference. Yeah, so but still, that's a lot more pressure on Arsenal, isn't it? Ultimately, and it means that they also still have another game against each other. So in theory, is also back in City's hands as much as it's in Arsenal's hands as well. Um, you know, in theory, if City won out, they win the league. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, a good game last night. How did it compare? Do you think to what you saw the previous Saturday? Grimsby versus Colchester, probably one for the one for the ages, right? Well, I think the football gods rewarded us last night and tonight with the Manchester United Barcelona game for what we uh, put ourselves through at, at the weekend. As listeners can probably, you know, expect, it was an uh, atrocious game, and I think even you yourself, who is a more regular League Two uh, football watcher than I am, said how bad you thought it was. Yeah, it was really poor. Uh, yeah, really, really poor. I read some comments from the Grimsby manager in the in the in the in, in the paper the next day, and it was very much along the lines of, "This was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen." Um, there was just a severe lack of quality. Nothing was good about this game at all. Um, you know, a part of it is obviously like he lost one nil because you know Colchester did come with a famous victory on the on the northeast Lincolnshire coast, but. Um, yeah, really, really bad. And the night out in Cleethorpe's not much better. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, it was all right. Um, it, it it met the bar for what you'd hope for a night out, I think. Um, you stumbled back in at half three, describing to me after I'd bailed earlier uh, about how, you know, you thought I would have had a good time because the tunes were good in the last place you ended up in. So very true. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably had worse nights out if that means that you ended up in a place you enjoyed at the the end. Yeah, a bit bit of cheese, but yeah, still not 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 the best, not the best. And yeah, it's nice to be back on a on, on, on slightly firmer grounds now when you know what you get in the, in, in this part of Essex at least uh, let's uh, let's crack on Andy because uh, yeah we are recording as we usually end up doing we're recording quite late 
uh, on a Thursday. We're all ready to go to bed. So let's rattle through Game Week 24 and our preview podcast. As always, we'll start by running down the Game Week fixtures. We'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points, and we might even delve into some chip strategy. Uh, We will have some new players on the radar, but not loads to talk about on the radar this week. We will be swimming against the tide, and we'll finish, as we always do, with captaincy and who the heck is that? So let's start then with those Game Week 24 fixtures. Your FPL deadline is Saturday the 18th of February at 11 o'clock. And that's because our lunchtime kickoff is Aston Villa hosting Arsenal. Then there are multiple uh, multiple three o'clock uh, kickoffs. Uh, we've got Brentford versus Palace. We've got Brighton versus Fulham. We've got Chelsea versus Southampton. Everton versus Leeds. We also have Nottingham Forest versus Man City and Wolves versus Bournemouth before the tea time kickoff on Saturday, and that's Newcastle versus Liverpool. Moving on to Sunday, just the two games, Man United versus Leicester and Spurs versus West Ham to round off the set of fixtures. So, uh, yeah, no doubles this week, Andy. No uh, no blanks either. Pretty standard game week for, for us. Obviously, we know that there are some blanks and doubles on the horizon, and I guess that that starts to beg the question, what should my chip strategy be, uh, depending on how many chips you've got left? Obviously, the, the chips in FPL, uh, triple captain, bench boost, free hit, and obviously there is, or I imagine most managers will have a second or third, depending on how you look looked at the World Cup break, wildcard to play um not loads of game weeks left to really squeeze all of those into andy but um you know I, it doesn't feel to me at the minute like i've got a particularly great grasp on when i'm going to use some of these and, and and when the optimum time to use them might be but i think we're kind of coming down at the minute on the side of that doesn't really matter and there's still a, you know, a few game weeks before we need to make a sort of firm decision on how our season should play out the rest of the way no, I guess it's just that people like to have thought about their chip strategy in advance because sometimes it can impact the transfers you might make if you're looking to dead end into certain weeks or use free transfers rather than a trip in, a chip in certain weeks. So I guess it's just worth uh, listeners, I guess, being aware now that they probably need to be paying more and more attention to Ben Krellin's Twitter feed and, yeah, just getting ahead of the fact that we're only a few game weeks out from what is likely to be the biggest blank of the season, which is in game week 28. Um, so that off that is often the time when people will look to use free hits. It just so happens then that the slot for those for a lot of those fixtures to move into is the very next game week in 29, which makes 29 a very, very big, if not the possibly the biggest double of the of the season as well. There's likely to be some big doubles towards the end in 34 or 37 as well. But still, 29 is is likely to be just as big, possibly you know possibly bigger. So um, than those later ones. So again, that 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 often will lead people to thinking about triple captain if they've not done that yet. Um, or bench boost, obviously, in a, in a week where lots of teams double, you, you, you've probably got a better chance of being able to use your bench boost without having to do too much surgery to your team. So that's often popular. Um, and then, yeah, if you've got yourself in any particular position, either from having used chips or not having used chips, the wild card is obviously then useful for getting out of situations. And if not, which again has happened in, to us in, in in previous seasons, which we've spoken about, if you've managed to navigate most of it without being in too bad a situation obviously picking an optimum moment to strike with your wild card in those final four or five game weeks to, uh, to kind of take in a run of fixtures is is a good way to capitalize on that chip so yeah um maybe you don't have to make the decisions yet but certainly start looking at those fixture runs like leading up to the end of the season 
Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like uh, the 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 business end of the season really, I guess, starts Andy from from that blank game week twenty eight onwards. And as you say, all of those teams end up blanking in twenty eight, of which we're not quite sure exactly how who will be there, but we're fairly sure it will be re- relatively sizable and then likely to end up doubling in twenty nine. Plus, maybe some teams that don't blank in twenty eight might end up doubling in twenty nine as well if they've still got rearranged fixtures from earlier in the season. So yeah, twenty nine is gearing up to be a pretty big double, I guess. Before then, Andy, obviously. Um, you know, with game week 24 in mind and some of the more immediate game weeks, you know, we've got four teams blanking and four teams doubling in 25, and then we've got a handful of teams also doubling potentially at least in 27. Um, the Crystal Palace Brighton game that, that has been rearranged for game week 27 is now in jeopardy once again, having been postponed because the train strikes. Um, earlier in the season, uh, there is now another another train strike scheduled for that day too. So um, I guess all of this means that, that you need to kind of almost have like a short-term strategy and a long-term one at the same time. It can all get a little bit overwhelming, but um, but yeah, I guess at Ben Credlin and at FPL underscore Lounge are where you need to be uh, need to be uh, you know focusing your your attention. Yeah, I suppose writing a letter to your MP to to try and encourage the government to uh, pay the workers and get this rail dispute finished might might also be a way to make sure Brighton retain their double in 27 as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there'll be um yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be plenty of space to put it otherwise, but but yeah, absolutely. It will, you know, we're we're all very pro paying workers on the FPL Land podcast. I think that's a that's a very firm um very firm political stance that we can. We can we can take without getting in too much trouble. Um, let's move on, Andy, to to the radar. Um, I guess we toyed a little bit this week with keeping our Arsenal triple up in the centre of our radar, and in the end, we've decided to downgrade it almost uh, in into the mid range. And I guess part of that reason is because we've seen, you know, our, one of the reasons it was in the centre is because Arsenal had a double in the last game week, and obviously that's now in 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 the rearview mirror. They still do have a double on the horizon, and are going to be playing in game week 28. So we still think that their that their assets are well worth owning. Equally, they've got some very very good fixtures too. But there has been a bit of a drop off, hasn't there, Andy, in terms of Arsenal's attacking prowess uh, at the at the moment. You know, their their ex- uh, expected goals isn't as great as it perhaps once was um and equally they're starting to look a little bit more leaky at the back as well so it's hard to um nail down exactly which assets are worth investing in at this stage and i know that they are still returning but perhaps not quite at the rate that they were earlier in the season yeah and i think ultimately before this game week arsenal were one the only team to double twice in the next three game weeks it put them in a very sort of rare position whereas now they are one of eight teams to have a double in the next four game weeks right i suppose they have a slight advantage still in that they also will play in in t- not blank in 28 um so but but still uh, there'll be plenty of other teams that also don't blank ultimately in 28. So they're not in quite such a rare pool ultimately now, which sounds like I'm saying a negative on them. I mean, it's still good that they double in 25, obviously. So they're still in the mid-range of the radar here, but it's just not quite so sort of nailed on in the sense of aiming for that triple and or Eddie and Ketia himself. I mean, Eddie's underlying numbers are still great. And I think if we weren't talking about the Arsenal triple generally, we probably would have just moved off him completely in the point of he's probably in people's teams and we 
you know he's been on the radar for so long now um but it's worth re-emphasizing that i guess as a part of an arsenal triple up we are we would definitely still advocate him and his numbers he have been like the best i think for non-penalty xg now in the last six game weeks going ahead of like harland and who's dropped off quite a bit and and still ahead of like others so um yeah uh beyond him though obviously yeah the the, the they share the goals round a bit and um, you know that that's brought them down probably slightly. It's it's harder to know. I think Martinelli's obviously rotation, as we mentioned, all of this kind of last week, maybe means you'd go Saka or Odegaard ahead of him um, if you if you're looking at Arsenal midfielders. But yeah, and then defensively, um, I, I, we we had a bit of a, again a bit of a debate last week. So you know for for everything we're going to say on the mid range here, if you want more detail, probably go back and listen to last week's podcast. But um, it is worth saying that we had a bit of a debate about, you know, do you go two midfielders plus Eddie or one defender, one midfielder plus Eddie? And the numbers recently haven't actually been great at the back. I mean, strangely, Arsenal have been good defensively this season, both on the eye and in the numbers. But in the last six uh, matches, they've been they've gone into the mid table for expected goals conceded. They've actually got their third worst for big chances conceded in the last six matches. They 17 big chances conceded in, in the last six matches. Having said that, fixtures play a part. You know, it's not when you're comparing it, we often choose six because it's kind of a decent-ish sample size while still taking a bit of recent form into account. But, you know, Arsenal have had Newcastle, Spurs, United and City in the last six games. So it's maybe not quite the same comparison as when comparing to other teams across the last six games. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I guess we also mentioned, um, or at least I think I underplayed it, but I think that was definitely something that you mentioned about, you know, Ben White's expected minutes and, and Tommy Asu maybe coming into the side and, and Tommy Asu did start the the most recent game against against Man City. It didn't look great for all intents and purposes. And if I was Arteta, I think I'd definitely be looking to start White again. And that has nothing to do with my fantasy team as I don't actually own him. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, I think that that's kind of that potential issue about why it's expected minutes did 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 come to come to the fore and, and as Andy said Martinelli's is still very real as well Saka Odegaard and Ketia playing the full 90 and obviously uh, the, the other sort of Arsenal defensive options other than why it did too so yeah plenty to think about um I guess in the same vein Andy having just come off the Arsenal Man City game last night we're still pretty keen on City midfielders. Um, I guess Riyad Mahrez would probably still be top of our shopping list if you if if I think we both own him or at least I uh, I own him and, and you were kicking yourself that you didn't I believe. Um, I mean he is a bit of a boom or bust player, isn't he? Ultimately, um, you know looked very very good in our, in City's first game of the game week and didn't really have too much joy in in, in City's second. Um, Kevin De Bruyne obviously is considerably more expensive, but you know did uh, did end up finally getting a goal uh, against Arsenal and an assist as well. And then Jack Grealish also on the score sheet, although albeit you know took a relatively large deflection on its way through uh, and passed Ramsdale last night. All three of these though, they do look a little bit rotation proof as much as a pep team can be at the minute. And and I you know I wonder if. Uh, if you know, we saw we saw a bit a bit of Phil Foden last night returning from from illness, but it does feel like Mahrez and Grealish are, are Pep's chosen ones at the moment. Um, but obviously, with Champions League returning imminently, are we going to start to see rotation? And 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 how sure can we be about some of these City assets and whether we should be owning them at this stage? I mean, we definitely could see rotation, and I think very weirdly, obviously, Bernardo Silva has been shuffled to left back in recent times, and he's been quite a more a fair bit more effective over these past 18 months in more attacking areas as well so 
there's definitely rotation possible. And for me, like Grealish, as well as being, you know, the bottom of the list in terms of the stats and just what we were discussing last week, he's also like the le- the least kind of impactful on the eye as well. And he was obviously like, he was lucky to kind of get that goal. It was like deflected. Um, you know, Mares has been like involved in a lot more and, and also like took the penalty in the first of last week's fixtures. So that's definitely like a plus for him. If you think about owning him, it, it's worth saying that they did get a penalty against Arsenal, which was eventually overturned by VAR. And it looked like Haaland was, was, had stepped up to be the one taking that one. Um, so I don't know whether that me and, you know, both Haaland and Mares won the pitch in both instances. So I don't know whether we can really tell anything about anyone being, we, we, we had presumed that Harlem was absolutely clear. Number one penalty taker before this game week. And now maybe there's a bit of a question mark there, but um, yeah, anyway, I think ultimately every, again, it's like, like I said before, everything we said from last week essentially still carries through to, to this KDB probably a bit safer in terms of minutes, but significantly more expensive. And um, yeah, that doesn't get as much XG in his XGI, does he? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's Notts Forest and Bournemouth, the next two um, for Man City, both away from home. And Notts Forest have obviously been performing considerably better at the back in recent game weeks. Bournemouth, um, less so, but more what we'd, what, what we'd expect. But yeah, I mean, those two fixtures on paper, at least, look pretty appealing to, to own City assets. And I'm sure if you own them, you wouldn't be getting rid of them. Um, but it's always a bit of a question mark and a head scratcher about who to bring in, and particularly with uh, with those two League game sandwiched in between Champions League fixtures. I'm sure there'll be plenty of rotation. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to predict to predict a Pep lineup. Uh, let's move outwards again on the radar, Andy. Outwards to the fringe of our radar. And uh, should we mention? I don't know if you've heard about this guy called Mo Salah. He's been pretty good in FPL over the last few years. Um, but I think he should just. I think he found his place really on 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 the fringe of our of our radar. I mean. All jokes aside, and as uh, as as woeful attempt at humour uh, that that was, um, it feels very odd to be mentioning Mo Salah on the radar whatsoever because he's just been such a mainstay of all FPL teams for almost you know two or three years. Um, but Liverpool haven't been great this year. His underlying numbers have been probably at sort of Premier League career or Liverpool career lows, but they have a double on the horizon and are things starting to look a bit better than they perhaps were. Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, his underlying numbers have been okay, actually, still. But it's just the problem is, um, even though it's his price, isn't it? If he was, um, you know, three, four, five mil cheaper, then he'd become a much more viable option. But um, at the type of price he is, 12.6 million, I think, at the moment, he needs to be um, delivering at the rate he used to be, which he's not. And also, as well as a drop-off, a slight drop-off in his underlying numbers, like I say, despite them not being terrible, he is under currently underperforming even even on those sort of lower underlying numbers ever so slightly. So, um, you know, he is not in, not in as many teams. And I think so it is worthwhile us talking about him like on the radar. It's not like his performances have necessarily improved a great deal recently the underlying numbers are still roughly around where they where they have been um so he's got three expected goal involvement in the last six game weeks which you know is a return every other game which is which you know if, if his price was lower would be fine but the big thing is got a double coming up in 25 and they're starting to get a couple of their other players back Shotter and Firmino and you know the thinking is will, would Salah benefit I mean obviously when those two have played with Salah before he's looked good and the teams look good right so um, there is 
hope, I guess, and potential that Liverpool and Salah could be in for some better outcomes um, over the next few game weeks. Newcastle this game week, Andy. So I guess that's probably reflective of why almost all of these Liverpool players are on the fringes of our radar. I guess there's a it could be a debate about if if you're going to make the transfer to a Liverpool asset, do you do it now or do you wait a game week? But I think it's still worth running through some of these players and perhaps if we see them do particularly well against Newcastle, maybe that will boost boost them up a bit. I mean, you mentioned there the return of Jota and Firmino. I think they both came off the bench um, in Liverpool's last league game uh, against Everton, which which they ran out relatively comfortable winners. Um, I guess they're both threatening. Darwin Nunez's place in in the team as Liverpool's sort of centre forward through the middle uh, attacking player. Um, obviously, you know many listeners will be aware that I'm a big fan of Nunez. I think he's box office, but doesn't all box office doesn't return FPL points. And this is a, a, a you know this season has been a perennial underlying numbers underperformer. He's continuing to have very good underlying numbers, and I'm sure that if I had stuck with him in my team, I would have definitely run out of patience with him by now. But I think it's always worth highlighting that he does get in good positions and he does get chances. And if he can find his shooting boots in the back of the car, maybe he can start getting some FPL returns. But equally with those um, with those returning forwards who have played through the middle for Liverpool before and have sometimes maybe got the best out of Salah, as you say, his, uh, he's going to be even, the rota- even more of a rotation risk going forward. And maybe the chance to really own Nunes has gone. Yeah, I mean, all of that is making it sound like he shouldn't be on the fringe of our radar, but it kind of sort of is here. And maybe that's reflective of the fact that there isn't a lot going on this game week. But also just, I think, um, ultimately, his his underlying numbers have been good. I mean, I, I forgot to mention on Salah that he is third amongst midfielders for non-penalty expected goal involvement in the last... Sorry, expected goals in the last six, which, you know, as I said, he's going under the radar a little bit. Like, he... The numbers haven't been as good as in previous years, but third amongst midfielders for, for non-penalty expected goals. Never mind the fact that they haven't had any penalties and he's usually on pens and that usually pumps his numbers up as well. So if they were to get one, obviously that that helps. But for Nunes, he's second amongst all players in the game for non-penalty expected goals. So like only Eddie is ahead of him now and Eddie is cheaper. So that would be why he's further up the radar. But ultimately, you know, you potentially have room, for, depending on what your team structure is, you potentially have room for, for, for Nunes as well as rather than instead of. And um, yeah, the, if he keeps getting chances with the goals he scored, I suppose you'd want to think he's going to eventually start putting some away. We're on quite a large sample size now where we're, where that hasn't happened. And obviously we've all been burnt by it at some point and some of us more times than others um, over the course of this season. Um, so I guess that's what makes it difficult. When you chuck in that fact that like you say that both Jota and Firmino who can play through the middle are, are back as well. And the fact that Liverpool will be playing Real Madrid twice in the next two weeks. So, you know, there will be some level of rotation probably to deal with those fixtures. It, it, yeah, I guess it makes it a bit harder. What about at the other end of the pitch, Andy? I mean, Liverpool famously have a pretty good defence under under Jurgen Klopp, but it's been relatively middling so far this year. Haven't kept loads and loads of clean sheets, and I think they've got pretty middling underlying uh, underlying numbers for expected goals conceded. People are going to look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, obviously because of his FPL pedigree from years gone by. I guess at 7.3 million, he's going to be a bit steep, uh, you know, a bit, a bit too rich for, for a lot of players to be dabbling in. But his underlying attacking numbers are pretty good, ranked pretty highly among defenders. 
Um, we have included him on the fringe here, but is he is he a bit too expensive? Do you think for for this, or is he perhaps worth a gamble given the double that they've got? I mean, he suffers from a similar thing as Salah, right, as well, in that his numbers being fourth amongst defenders and defenders don't really create a lot as it is anyway, makes it difficult to justify the 7.3 million um, for me. Uh, and when you I add in being fourth, when he's usually top by some distance is a come down, frankly, isn't it? Same with Salah. Well, well it is. Among all players and now he's just third among midfielders. It's like, mm, but it's also for him the double whammy of the um, clean sheet potential massively decreasing at the same time as well. So, yeah, like I say, it's a double whammy in the kind of um, less lower appeal of him. And and I think you described Liverpool as middling and in terms of XGI or XGC, sorry, expected goals conceded over the last six matches. Yes, they've kind of gone towards the middle of the table. But in terms of big chances, no one's conceded more big chances in the last six game weeks. No. And actually towards um for for the for, for quite a while they've even been bottom of the expected goals conceded and not just the big chances haven't they um it's been quite a few game weeks where they've been in some instances rock bottom um over when you look since the restart or you know before even chris uh, the the world cup and yeah it's only kind of recently that they've managed to move themselves away from that bottom slightly even still only in in mid table so Underlying stats still not great for for, our, for Liverpool defence. I'm guessing that's I'm guessing that their recent improvement has been due to the fact that our boy Joe Gomez has started the last three games. I mean, I feel like we've been burnt a little bit by him before. I think we've tipped him up a few times on the radar, and he's ended up coming in and and embarrassing himself and embarrassing us. Really, having shown some faith in him a little bit, but I'm going to dip my toe into the water with him on the radar again. I think just 4.3 million just makes him probably the value pick, especially while Virgil van Dijk is out injured. I think Kenyatta might be on his way back, but has also been injured as well. So it's seemingly Gomez and a Matip at the minute playing centre-back for Liverpool and Gomez at 4.3 just feels like, just feels like the play. I mean, I'm not backing them to get loads of clean sheets over the next few game weeks, um, but they do play uh, Newcastle, obviously in this game week, Newcastle have one of the worst, um, uh, ex- expected goals scored versus the amount of goals scored. So the you know, the delta that we'd call it, they're underperforming massively. Their expected goals seem a bit goal shy at the minute. So that could be uh, an, one where Liverpool could potentially pick up a clean sheet. Then Crystal Palace don't score many. Wolves don't score many either. So, and, and that's their double uh, in, in in 25. So yeah, you know, you could end up seeing a few clean sheets for Liverpool over the next coming game weeks. But I don't think I'd be looking to spend too much on their defence just because it hasn't been that great so far this year. I mean, I've seen some people this week, actual people who get paid to give their FPL opinions, not like... You mean, do we not? Has my cheque not been in the... I just thought it got lost at the post. Your your pay is in love and respect, not, uh, not... money i'm afraid but um so, like, i've been shortchanged in that as well to be honest but yeah, well, there we are yeah to be fair you don't get a lot of either of those either from me but um in if if people are if those people who are being uh for, you know reimbursed for their opinions are willing to tip up people like james tarkowski in just because he's got a double game week on the on the horizon then uh, i think you will you're allowed to have Joe Gomez for 4.3 million and particularly because of the 4.3 million I don't think it's the worst punt in the world when they have Crystal Palace and Wolves in a double in 25. 
Oh, well, famously mentioned James Tarkovsky on the pod last week. So, uh, so yeah, ahead of the curve, and it feels like a few uh, few pennies should be heading heading Chris's way. Um, let's leave the radar there, Andy. But is there anywhere else that you just want to have a brief mention of? Well, I think um, listeners may hear that radar and go, right. So you've got Arsenal and City, who you already had, and oh, they're the top two teams, and then you've got maybe some Liverpool ones that you weren't really that keen on any of them on on the fringe. And I think ultimately the point I'd make here is that we we probably don't say this enough. It's a legit strategy to roll a transfer. It doesn't make for a great podcast. So that's maybe why we don't say it. But ultimately, if there's nothing really jumping out, if there's if there's problems that you you um not major problems you need to fix in your team, roll, you know, I think I would advocate potentially we should be more explicit about advocating for rolling a transfer. I think this this definitely to me looks like a week where where that seems like a reasonable option. Now there'll be people obviously preparing for the blank, and you don't want to waste a transfer. I think we'd never if you're if you've got two, don't don't waste one um, by by leaving it and doing nothing. But certainly you could feel like rolling one before the blank so that you've got two to deal with whatever you want to deal with then. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, a few more that are just creeping up in the, in the underlying numbers, particularly for midfielders for me, are, are Harvey Barnes and and Jared Bowen. Um, I was surprised to see Jared Bowen third for XGI among midfielders in the last six games, uh, six, six matches. Um, Harvey Barnes it ranks eighth. Obviously, there Barnes is considerably cheaper than Bowen. Uh, they don't double. Uh, both likely to blank in in game week twenty eight, I think as well. Um, but I think their underlying numbers were worth mentioning uh Barnes in particular I think his next two fixtures are, are, are pretty difficult so I'm not necessarily sure that we would well that's why he's not on the radar and it's just being mentioned here but yeah I thought, thought it was worth highlighting uh, their underlying numbers uh, anything else for you Andy at all I mean I know that you're a big fan of Diego Jota and we mentioned that he might be on the on, on the comeback just one to keep an eye on for you yeah, I think 100% definitely. He's always someone I've, I've I've spoken about on this show. He's I think he's there very much there in in that stable for me, and um, yeah, he's he's the almost the anti Nunes, isn't he? In that he's less explosive, he's less sexy as an FPL asset, but um, takes his chances when he gets them and gets a fair few of them in in that Liverpool team. So um, if he can get back to sort of fitness and to form, then definitely someone I'd be I'd be considering for their kind of runner fixtures coming up. Certainly, certainly. All right, well, let's leave it there then, Andy. And then when we return, we will be swimming against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Andy, I guess this swimming against the tide is uh, on a similar theme to last week's. Last week's was uh, Karo Matoma. Um, I think he was one of the most transferred in ahead of uh, ahead of game week 23. But we swam against that because he blanked in game week 25 and couldn't really justify the transfer on it. Similar this week, Ivan Tony, third most in. And he too blanks in game week 25. You know, Ivan Tony has very good underlying numbers, Andy. I think you told me earlier. Um, I think you just mentioned that non for non penalty XG or XGI, it's, it's Eddie and Ketia leading the way, followed by Darwin. But if you whack penalties back in, I believe Ivan Tony poss- possibly le- leads the way, at least among forwards. Um, 
So good underlying numbers and a very a very appealing fixture this this week against Crystal Palace. But ultimately, he blanks in 25. Um, I it, I just feel like you can't you should like try, I, I know you you've just you just went on a bit of a spiel about how rolling is is good and we should not be afraid to roll and and, and I agree with you I, that you know in that sense you're optimizing your transfers and not wasting them when there's you know, nothing to, to to be gained. I feel like bringing Ivan Tony in this week, him to then sit on your bench next week, and he's also probably going to be, be, be blanking in 28, depending on FA Cup progress, just feels like a bit of a wasted move, even though he does have good underlying numbers and a very good fixture this game week. Yeah, I mean, this winning against the Tide is pretty much all again, all based on the, that blank next week because everything else is in Tony's favour. He is top for... Um, XGI when you include like penalties um, over the last six matches. Uh, he has a good fixture this week. He has a double coming up in 27. He has good fixtures up to and including that double um, if you ignore the blank. So pretty much everything else is in is in his favour other than this blank in 25. And so, um, but despite all of that, I still think you and we are right to be swimming against this tide because how could, and, unless you have like only one or two already you're not only using a transfer this week you're guaranteeing one next week or or you're giving yourself a, a blank space like how you know how many people will have at least three man man united newcastle and brighton and and brentford players already before getting in tony you've got to think most people have got at least one probably more than one man united player because of their recent doubles probably at least one trip newcastle player in trippier possibly more so even if you say only got rashford and trippier you're then guaranteeing that you're going to have to put tony on your bench and that's assuming you haven't got any brighton players of which you know no one brighton players owned massively but across all of them there's a fair amount of of uh, people having at least one of say esther pinyan or march or matoma or whatever so um it does it does seem odd i mean there may be some who are willing to take hits but again that that would only strengthen our argument i think assuming against the tide for if you're deliberately kind of taking a hit because you know tony's gonna have to score like at least a couple of goals this game week to make that worthwhile and sure that's possible but it's not something you want to like bank on and use a transfer for i don't think yeah i mean i can i can see the appeal if your team is absolutely perfect and you want to bring him in this week to take him out again next week fine but i you know my, my hunch would be that not everybody's team is perfect and there are better ways to use that transfer this week and i think actually yeah you know there are four teams blanking next week, and there are also four teams doubling next week. I think if you have a free transfer that, and you're not convinced on anything, I would, as Andy said earlier, I would roll that. You've got more flexibility next week. You know, get get rid of two players that are blanking or bring in some doublers. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, you've, you've got some flexibility go, go, going forward. And, and yeah, as Andy said, I think we would not be swimming against this if, if, if Tony blanks his underlying number. If, only, if Tony didn't blank, his underlying numbers are really good. Um, you know, he's got a good fixture this game week. But, but, but yeah, ultimately, Crystal Palace alone in the next two game weeks, not good enough for us to be justifying a transfer on. Let's move on to captaincy, Andy. And this is a bit of a difficult one this week. Um, and it doesn't feel like it should be. We've got Erling Haaland, who is maybe even at this stage, one of the best fantasy assets of all time. And Marcus Rashford, who is in the form of his life, but there are some doubts. There are some niggling doubts, at least in our heads. I'm not sure if I've seen loads of it on FPL Twitter, but at least in our heads about 
how likely it is that they will be rotated or how tired they look given the fixture congestion that they've got on the horizon. Um, how do we make sense of this and do we just have to risk it? I think somewhere along the line there's going to be some risks being taken, isn't there? Um, yeah, Haaland, you can try and listen out for what Pep says, but how much use is that going to be anyway? I'm spooked because he came off at half-time in last week's first fixture and that's really annoyed me. Uh, and But also the fact that there's Champions League coming up, I mean... I think Alvarez is is has got to be frustrated with the with the lack of minutes he has. Frankly, he was a starter at the World Cup for World Cup winners Argentina. So um, if he was if he was at almost any other team, like pretty much if he was at Arsenal, would he have started ahead of Eddie? Probably would have done. Which you know maybe he shouldn't, but he probably would. He'd start at United. He'd start at Newcastle. He'd start at what I'm trying to think, Leicester, West Ham, Everton, like he'd start probably at Barcelona at this rate. Uh, it's it's just yeah obscene really. So so there's definitely a possibility he could come in for a Forest game to give Haaland a bit of a rest and and get make sure he's 100% ready for Champions League in in midweek. Um, that being said, if Haaland's starting against Nottingham Forest, do you? how much you'd be quaking in your boots uh, not not to have the captain armband on him. So um, it's probably going to be one of those where he gets the armband and then someone else gets a vice, right? And uh, maybe maybe that makes that harms Rashford's chances a little bit of being vice captain because you don't want a double risk of, of rotation and, 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 and limited minutes. Because again, there's absolutely no talk of this. This is purely Andy Case's eye coming into this. You know, I've not seen anything on Twitter about this, but just to me, Rashford has been flogged for minutes so hard and all of the front players, uh, but particularly Rashford and, and uh, Bruno, looked absolutely knackered at the end of that Barcelona game. They, it was a physical, intense, draining game and Rashford can recover well and I'm sure would want to start against Leicester. But ultimately, when there's another leg against Barcelona to come and then a cup final three days after that second leg against Barcelona... I, can can United afford to 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 rinse Rashford's legs again again against Leicester? Like it, it just worries me. So um, yeah, maybe someone like a Harry Kane might be a better vice option for people this week. Yeah, I mean, really interesting. I guess um, I guess maybe it's worth running through the, those fixtures. I mean, so City have just obviously played a weekend game and then Arsenal in midweek. Then they've got Forest, Leipzig midweek, Bournemouth, Bristol, Bristol Road, no Bristol City midweek. Newcastle. I mean, in in amongst that, as as you say, they've got uh, you know they've got two big games at the top of the table. You wouldn't say Newcastle necessarily in the title race, but two big games at the top of the table: a Champions League first leg away from home, and then three games against, I guess, also rounds in the Premier League and an FA Cup uh, Championship side. I mean, he's not going to start against Bristol City, one would assume, but is he going to start all of the others? And is he going to be a rot- is he going to be a minutes risk? Is he going to be hauled off after sixty if if City are comfortable? Yeah, probably. I mean, will they be comfortable because he's already netted a hat trick? Maybe that is always the risk, I guess. But but yeah, I think it is it is interesting to 
to see how his minutes will be monitored. Um, you know, one would expect him to start in the Champions League away from home. And I know that we've seen some conflicting things from Pep this year regarding his minutes. You know, I think one week he said that he's not going to be able to start, you know, three ninety minutes in a week, and then the next week he said he recovers like no one he's ever seen before, and he's twenty two years old and he's an athletic machine, so he's going to play loads of games. So you know, who, who knows what to think? I think it's fair to say that we're probably not going to get loads of info before this game week, as you said. But yeah, as you as you say, if he plays upwards of seventy five minutes against Forest, you can absolutely see him. Um, see him having a bit of a party. It's worth mentioning, however, Nottingham Forest in very improved defensive numbers since since the restart. I think they might be in the top three or four for expected goals conceded. So it's worth mentioning, but I'm sure they haven't quite faced an attack like Man City for a while. And equally, as Andy says, and Andy's way ahead of this, um, you know, the fixture congestion for Man United is even greater than than than, than Haaland's, and it does feel as though. As you say, Marcus Rashford has absolutely been rinsed for minutes recently. Leicester at home would absolutely appeal to a player who has also been playing through the middle and is in the form of his life. But yeah, with a second leg against Barcelona with that tie in the balance, with then a cup final and then an all-Premier League FA Cup game and then the the, big derby game against Liverpool, if Rashford is going to be rested at some point, yeah, okay, maybe the FA Cup game, but you'd probably be ranking Leicester as the second most likely game where he's going to be rested. I guess the difference, Andy, once again, is that United don't have a lot of options going forward at the minute with injuries. So maybe he's just going to continue to be rinsed for minutes. But if he is to, if he is knackered, maybe we'll get some some poorer performances. Um, I mean, talk talk Harry Kane to me then. I mean, West Ham at home. West Ham have been improving a little bit defensively. Spurs not look great, but this is Harry Kane. I mean, is he? Is he a better captaincy option this game week than, than Haaland or Rashford? I mean, he's more secure for minutes. So that's what, if you knew they all started, you'd probably say no. But taking everything into account, there's possibly an argument that he is. He definitely starts, right? And um, they're playing West Ham at home, who have been slightly better recently, but still have conceded goals this season. So um, I guess Tottenham's form is patchy. They weren't great against Milan. But despite that, Kane has been unbelievably consistent this season. We've said it a number of times, but we were talking before the show and you, you were discussing how he might be one of the ones to make way in your forward line eventually for another forward. And we looked at the numbers and ultimately he's actually on pace for his best season ever. This is the guy who was the FPL lounge, the inaugural FPL lounge uh, player of the season a couple of years ago when he scored 242 FPL points. And currently he's on pace for an even better season than that. He's on 150 FPL points after just 23 game weeks. So, yes, I mean, 23 goals this season. I think that's... uh, Yeah. No, that's... 23 games, sorry, 17 goals 17 in in goals. 20 in 23 games, which is, I mean, if, if Erling Haaland wasn't on 26, we'd be saying 17 is an outrageous return for just over halfway through the season, really. So, um, yeah, he, 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 he's a consistent goal scorer. And, you know, in any given game week, including this one, he could well bag. So given that he's more likely to start, 
for me, I think he's he's a safer, potentially a safer option. That that being said, I'm blatantly going to bottle it and Captain Harlan this week. I was just about to say this is this is this this smells like one of the game weeks where we have a very intense captaincy discussion, and then just before the deadline, we're both texting each other, being like, Harlan's? Yeah, yeah, we'll go Harlan yeah. again. It's like, <laughs> you know, might as well. I guess as always, it's worth mentioning that you know the pain, the rage. If you don't captain him and he and he starts and he returns, I think yeah, Andy mentioned it earlier. Um, yeah, it's uh, it could it could have some real long term impact on on your rank in your mini league. But yeah, sometimes fortune favours the brave, right? And uh, Haaland hasn't looked maybe quite what he was at the start of the season in the last few game weeks. But then equally, you know, he's he's, he's got a hat trick this side of the World Cup, and, and he bagged bagged in midweek against Arsenal too. So yeah, I mean, it's a brave person that doesn't go for him this week unless we hear something beforehand from Pep. All right, Andy, we're on for a tight, tight pod under an hour at the minute. So let's whiz through the final segment. Who the heck is Stat? Uh, for those that don't know, it's a little game Andy and I like to play at the end of each podcast where we take it in turns each week to pick a player from the FPL universe. And the other person has to guess who it is. They have to be owned by at least 5% of managers and we get five clues. If we guess it after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, we get four points and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a new clue, we get two minutes to stick or twist on our previous guess, which means we don't reveal the answer to the end because you can play along wherever you are listening to the FPL Land podcast. I had clawed, clawed some respect back and then Andy pulled out a, uh, a four-point solid march out of his uh, backside last weekend or last week. Uh, so he's now 11 points ahead. And yeah, I can try and close the gap here, but it's all starting to feel a little bit futile. Not too many opportunities now for me to, for me to, um, yeah, me to, me, me to make a, make a fist of this season. Um, and I feel like if you win three, if you do the three P, just going to have to retire the game, aren't we? Basically, I don't want to be that guy, but if you do the three P, then we just can't carry this on. Or we'll have to think of something else. Maybe you get a minute and a half and I get five. Maybe that'll, that'll get somewhere. But I'll just end up going round and round in my head and end up in the same mess I usually end up in. So, no one needs 25 minutes of garbled nonsense from Chris Hopkins, do they? And also, tens uh, it's not it's not golf, and we're not playing with handicaps. I remember um, at the start of the season when I described playing who the heck is that against you as like being PSG in the French league and yeah. getting a lot of grief from you for it. You even even calls of potential arrogance. Well. You know, the facts and the numbers speak for themselves, do, Chris, don't they? they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got nothing to say, so no, yeah, don't. let's just, 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 let's just move on. on. Let's get this show under an hour. So, uh, clue number one, then, is this player's eighth season in FPL, and they are on for their highest ever finish. All right, well, let's run through those teams. Villa, eight seasons, could be, but I don't feel like they're going to have many managers, many players that are over 5%. Uh Arsenal eight seasons highest ever finish. Wonder if it could be someone like a Saka or Martinelli, perhaps, who, yeah, have not played many minutes in some previous years, but have managed to accrue eight sort of youth seasons. Um, Brentford, I feel like we can discount. Palace, I feel like we could probably discount. Brighton, likewise, eight seasons is unlikely. Fulham, who would they? It could be Mitrovic. I feel like we've had him this year. Would he be on for his highest ever? He's had a couple of good seasons before, hasn't he? Mm, 
Chelsea doesn't feel like they're got, they're going to have many players on for their highest ever finish that have done eight years. Uh, no, Southampton couldn't could only be Ward Prowse for, for the longevity, and he's not on for his highest ever finish. Everton Leeds, I feel like they're all no. Forest probably a no. <coughs> Excuse me, Man City. We always get the City, don't we? Who would have played eight years there? Walker probably play way more. Edison feels unlikely for him to have played eight seasons. Kevin De Bruyne won't be on for his highest ever finish. Uh, Riyad Mahrez. I feel like he'd have had a better season before, particularly maybe even his Leicester season. Grealish probably had a better season. Hmm. Newcastle. I feel like it could always be a Newcastle player. Could it be trip could it be trippier? Eight years? Maybe. Feels a little little low possibly. You've got thirty seconds. Probably is on for his highest ever finish though, isn't he? Um I feel like we've probably had him, but and Man United, could it be Rashford? I suppose maybe. Eight. Yeah, go on. Let's Let's go. Uh, let's go, Marcus Rashford. I don't think we've had him this this season in this. Maybe we have, but let's go Rashford and get another clue in. Okay, we're going for Rashford. Clue number two. This player is the second most informed player in his position according to FPL's form measure. Which, for the benefit of of this, if you if you may well know, but in case you don't, the which is the average score in the last thirty days. Which is a bit random. days. That is yeah, random, isn't it? It's not match related or game week related. It's average score per per game in the last thirty days. And this player is the second most informed player in his position according to that measure. Second most informed player in his position. Okay. Um, well, Rashford's in pretty good form. Um. So I don't feel like I could necessarily come off him. 30 days, that takes us back to what, mid, middle of Jan. <coughs> I guess, does that favour players? I guess that would favour Andy players that have had doubles, right? There's no kind of average per game. I guess, yeah, because it's on time, 30 days, yeah. So yeah. I guess Rashford's had a double, hasn't he? Um form yeah I think I think I think I'm just going to have to stick to be honest I'll stick with I'll stick yeah I'll stick with Rashford and I've definitely not got enough I mean this is not a metric that I look at often so I've, and I've got I haven't got enough to take me off it so I'm going to have to have to stick I think okay so sticking on Rashford clue number three then this player is in the top five point scorers in his position despite not even being in the top 10 for the most selected in his position. Who the heck is that? So top, top what? Top five? Top four, five point scorers in, in his, his position. position. Yeah. But, but not, not in, in the, the top. top 10 most selected. Oh, okay. Rashford's got to be in the top. Top 10 owned midfielders. Rashford would have to be in that, wouldn't he? 
So that tells me it isn't him. So he's in the top five point scorers at his position. Okay, so let's think about forwards. Haaland, Kane. I'm guessing Tony's up there now then. I'm not sure who else. But they wouldn't be. They'd all be in the top five owned, I think. Midfielders. Um, yeah, Rashford's got to be high owned. Who else would be top point scorer in, in midfield? Almiron. He's we've had him, haven't we? Oh, this feels hard. So the top five point scorers at his position. I feel like I'm leaning towards the defender, but that's mostly because I just don't know who is in the top five point scoring defenders. Um, Trips obviously is thirty seconds. Saliba maybe. Share. I feel like we had share, didn't we? Because I remember you doing the song. You got ten seconds left. Oh God. Um. Okay, I'm gonna just go really, really rogue and go Luke Shaw. Okay. Oh no, it's Luke not him because I'm pretty sure he was my who the heck is that a few weeks ago. But yeah, you are out of time. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm just sure. Yeah, I'm switching. It's definitely not Rashford. Okay. Clue number four. This player has not played all of their seasons for the same club. Who the heck is that? Eight years. Not played all his seasons for the same club. Top five point scorers. That does bring me back. Now I think about that previous clue, and maybe I should have gone back to Saka. But he has played all of his seasons at the same club. What about Salah? But he's not in the top 10%, not in the top 10 owned. In his position, correct. I imagine with zombie teams, he would be. This must be a proper unknown then who's just started. If it's defender, must be someone that's just scored goals from corners and has just completely flown, flown by. Not played for his every season I dismissed so many teams for not having like the longevity but then could they have made a transfer who have Villa bought in at the back this year Matt Cash Luke Dean he wouldn't be on for his best ever finish I feel like they signed someone else but meh Palace Anderson is he 5% owned God help managers if he is Thirty uh, seconds. I guess Shaw would count with Southampton. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, in lieu of anyone else and the pressure coming, I know you're going to say ten seconds imminently. I think I'm just going to have to stick with Luke Shaw. But you do have ten seconds. Yeah, I'm so going to have to stick with him. But I'm stick I, with him. I'm pretty sure I made a sure pun when he was mine the other week when I, when I, when I, when I gave it away. So, Okay, so you're on to the final clue then. Yeah. Um, 
no one outside the top four has more clean sheets than this player who happens to be the highest scoring outfield player under five million. Thought the final clue was supposed to be a giveaway. What what did you just say? No one outside the top four has more clean sheets than this player, who yeah. also happens to be the highest scoring outfield player under five million. <coughs> okay. When you say high scoring, you mean points or, or, or goals? Point. Points. Goals. Yeah. Points. Okay, so uh not playing for Arsenal, Newcastle. Man United or City and is under £5 million and has got a lot of clean sheets this year. Can't be Villa. Oh, Brentford. Could be. Brighton. Who have they signed? Anyone at the back, really, that's played Premier League football? Not really. Who have Brentford signed? Conscious that I'm just leaving a lot of dead air on this podcast now. Um, who have Brentford signed? They signed that geezer from Bologna. It can't, can't be him. Oh, it's that idiot, isn't it? It's that geezer. What's his name? Oh, picture his face. Where did he come from? Burnley, didn't he? And he has scored some goals. Oh, let's run through these clues. Um, eight seasons could be. High you do have total. under 30 seconds, but could we be. were trying to establish this final clue a bit, so I can give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah, fine. Um, top five points. Is he top top five points on defenders? I mean, it would make sense that he's not in the top 10 owned. Oh, ben, Ben, me. Oh yeah, I mean it's not it's not Luke Shaw because I've just looked at my own sheet from two weeks ago and I picked him then. So unless you're really do, trying to wind me up, um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, Ben me. Well, almost from the depths, he's managed to claw back a point there because it is Ben me. Ben yes. me. Oh, um, I suppose the reason I gave so much specific info in that final clue is because. You know, I could tell it might be a, a tricky one to get because he has flown a bit under the radar. But ultimately, I picked the second highest point scoring defender over the last month and someone who's in the top five all season for defenders. So that's outrageous, isn't it? It's really? not like vet really obscure. Um, and ultimately, no, no, he's 13% no, owned. So, yeah, it's, I think I would have struggled to get it, but I, you know, was trying to give yeah no no, some no fairly a... fair clues on it there and, and absolutely yeah i think um i was surprised it's probably the reason i went for it really when i looked in the top scoring defenders that he was there in in the top 5 that's kind of what what persuaded me to to go for this is an option really and as being he's not even like he's just scrapes in he's 13% owned so he is fairly highly owned in the game as well yeah um definitely. Definitely, it must be it must be them goals. I mean, he scored he scored against United, didn't he, early on in the season? He did. I think, I think. he's got three goals this season so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just having um, a look, but I guess if if they if a defender like that scores early, he gets gets people get on the bandwagon a bit, don't they? And 
True, they do. And he's under five mil and Brentford have got some all right fixtures coming up. And, you know, yeah, ultimately have more clean sheets than anyone else outside that top four Brentford. So, yeah, fair play. um, Well, fair play. Well, I've closed the gap to 10 points. So that's something that's something to take up, take away from uh, take away from this wonderful, wonderful podcast. Um, Yeah, don't think I've got that. Come on, Chris, wrap this up in yeah, sorry, 100 seconds it, and we're under this, an hour. Yeah, let's, let's bring go. this thing into land then. Okay, uh, yeah, so Andy, if anyone has any questions for us about how wonderful our trip to Cleethorpes was, how can I get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. You know, we've both been busy. busy. I've got a new child. Uh, we've been poor on social media generally this year. But, you know, still, we do say that every week. Go check those out. Maybe if we if there's a bit more interaction off people on there, it will encourage us to uh, not that that's the way around it should work necessarily. We but, got a few know. DMs last week. That was that was that was nice. That was nice. I replied to that on, on, on the train before I before I met you. Uh, and yes, also do remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we will be back with our game week 25 preview uh, at some point next week. Probably same sort of time. There's a Friday night football, isn't there? So we'll probably try and get it done a little bit earlier for you. Uh, but Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Yeah.